Hello and welcome back to Inside Quotes, the show where my brother and I rewatch, review, and relive the staples of our childhood. This is episode 85, and I am your host, Jeremy, and with me today is my older brother, Jonathan. Jonathan, welcome back to the show. Jonathan. Jonathan? Look at me! Oh, sorry. <laughs> quack, quack, everybody. Jeremy, why are you so angsty? Because I'm a 15-year-old boy, and I'm being possessed by a 70-year-old man. Well, that's awkward. Why did I say that like Schmidt from New Girl? I was kind of hearing more John Mulaney. Because (laughs) I'm a 15-year-old boy possessed by a 70-year-old man. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, this week we are covering the fifth movie of the franchise that we've been discussing all year and a little bit from last year. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. But first, there's been a little bit of news in the wizarding world as of late. Yeah, let's address the elephant in the room before we dive on in. Um, (laughs) Well, we had some pretty mixed news in the wizarding world uh, this past two weeks. And HBO has announced that they are rebooting the Harry Potter series. Now, hold your horses, hold your horses. Now, before we give our opinions on whether this is a great thing or not. You've already said it's mixed, so. Well, people, people, it's being received as mixed. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're making, they've decided on a seven season, like one book per episode TV series, or one book per season TV series that's supposed to be more of a book accurate version. And honestly, I'm on board. Yeah. Um, I really wasn't at first because I was very scared uh, about it. And um, and we discussed this in the past already that like I want this to happen. I've wanted this to happen for a long time. I just think it's a little too soon. That's my only mm. gripe. But nevertheless, they're going to do a great job. And whatever they are, they I think they're going to do a great job. I'm fully confident in it. I mean, whatever they do, it can't take away from the original series. That's always going to be the original. So it can only make it better, I think. Yeah. But Jonathan, what are your thoughts on it? Well, for me, when I heard this announced, I thought this is a pretty safe move for them. It really is. You know, they tried something different with the Fantastic Beast movies. They didn't really pan out the way people had hoped they would. And I think they're, you know... Warner Brothers owns the Harry Potter, you know, rights, the IP, and they want to like make some money with it. Yeah. Because the Fantastic Beasts, uh, Beast movies were just like going down critically and like financially weren't really making much money. Yeah. And so I feel like they're just kind of deciding, you know, we got to go back to the well. We got to go to where we, we know there's good source material and just work with that. Yeah. It, in order for them to move forward, with spinoffs at this point, I feel like they do need to sort of burn up and rise from the ashes again, you know? (laughs) Pardon my Phoenix pun. I think it's a good thing, and once people start seeing how much effort they're going to put into it, I think people will climb on board pretty quickly, uh, regardless. And it's really cool, because it's going to be like an opportunity for the new generation of fans Mm -hmm. to climb on board, instead of just like, Oh, my millennial parents are always talking about Harry Potter this, Harry Potter that. Like, I'm just trying to go to Disney World, not Hogwarts. 
And that's heartbreaking for a parent to hear, you know? I'm just looking like 20 or 30 down years down the road where like this series has already come and gone and everyone thought, oh, this was way better than the original series. And then there'll be like another, like a third reboot. Yeah. And everyone will be like, oh yeah, that second one, that one was terrible. And then there'll be like a multiverse episode where all the Harry Potters come together. Please no. <laughs> no thanks. I would like to consider this more of a Star Wars thing. Okay. I, I, I okay. really wanted to hate on it. I really, really wanted to hate on this at first. And then I thought to myself, you know what? I don't want to become the very thing I swore to destroy when it comes <laughs> to Harry or when it comes to Star Wars. Because there's nothing worse to me than an original trilogy fan bashing the prequels than not considering it an actual movie or an actual part of the story. Mm-hmm. Nothing makes me more mad. Um, I don't want to become that. I don't want to become a hater. And if somebody likes it, good. There's some value in it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go into it with an open mindset. Yep. And I've got some ideas for it that nobody's going to take. But, you know, who knows? They haven't found any writers yet. So, you know what, Jonathan? We could probably... uh sign up for an episode maybe we really want to do the death day party filler episode is basically what we want oh definitely <laughs> yeah yeah we'll get into it i mean i just feel robbed that we didn't get this saint mungo scene in order of the phoenix yeah no i really you know? want that the only thing is though i want kenneth branagh as gilderoy lockhart like i'll accept no substitutes and so i don't know how this is gonna well, go jonathan you're gonna have to accept some <laughs> substitutes if you're gonna watch this show uh there's some people that are like rumors that they might bring some people from the old cast mm-hmm. and make them into the new parts like they said draco will come back at like tom felton will come back as lucius malfoy and i hate that i'm sorry i don't want anybody coming back it'll take me completely out and it'll honestly it could ruin it the only thing i will accept is if for the quidditch world cup episode which they better do that the announcer for the Quidditch World Cup, the one that calls the game, has to be the guy who played Lee Jordan. <laughs> That's the only cameo I want. Who, uh, Pop Pop? Pop Pop from Community, yeah. <laughs> I think on the very last episode, we, when we talked about Goblet of Fire, I'm pretty sure in that episode I said something about, like, I think I'm finally ready to see, like, a new <laughs> adaptation That was of some this series. really crazy timing. And I'll be honest, I had been hearing like stuff, not about that this was coming back, that they were rebooting the books, but just that, you know, Warner Brothers was wanting to do something with the Harry Potter franchise. You know, I didn't know if it was going to be more Fantastic Beasts or if it was going to be a different, you know, series right. idea. I had been hearing stuff, but but I figured, you know, the re- a reboot of the books was also, you know, not outside of the realm of possibility. Right, right. I, I, I was taken aback. I didn't think they would actually do it, but that's cool. So I don't know. I'm very curious of how this will go. Um, uh, we'll kind of get into it. We'll probably talk about it later on in the episode uh, because like with the Order of the Phoenix, you know, at that point, they've kind of like established a visual style for the Harry Potter movies going forward. And I'm very right. curious as if they're just going to retain that, if they're going to use a lot of those same assets, like the same... Hogwarts design sets things like that or if they're gonna do like a whole new visual look to it or not I think 
that they should not change it, mm. mainly from a money perspective, uh, because Wizarding World of Harry Potter needs to keep that Hogwarts that cost them so much money That's to true. build. What are they going to do? Make another alternate park? Yeah. No, I they think won't. they need to keep all of that. I think they need to keep the David Yates vibe, but there's there's ways you can change it with it to still be the same. I, I, I think it's doable. Yeah, I think financially it, it doesn't make sense because this is going to be a, a massive undertaking. And to yeah. go through all that like pre-production design work to like just change the looks of things, I don't know if they'll if yeah. they'll do all that. It it makes sense to keep it consistent with the parks too. I just feel like I would like a totally like different take on it. I feel like that would no. be a little bit easier for me to like separate it in my mind. I want it to be a soft launch, mainly because they can do stuff like that. They'll they'll give it a darker spin, like the Batman or uh the Wednesday show from the mm-hmm. Adams family. Like it'll change it, but it'll also make it less good. Maybe. Well, I I guess that's just me saying that I didn't like the Batman movie. I love the Batman movie. My bad. <laughs> um I don't know. They they can definitely keep the same sets, same costume design probably. Maybe a little bit. They they could change little things, but the huge things that are important mm-hmm. at least just like <laughs> at least just the Hogwarts. That's all I want to stay the way same. I feel like Hogwarts will probably definitely definitely stay the same. I mean, I think of things like like Hogsmeade, they could probably change the look of Hogsmeade. Yeah. But then maybe not because that actually is what's in the park. <laughs> right, right. Well, they could change um the Ministry of Magic or something small like that. Mm-hmm. Or even the inside of Hogwarts. They could change that up and I wouldn't be my- upset mainly yeah. because it's just the outside that people <laughs> care about. Um Right. But honestly, they could even make it look similar but different in a way. I don't know. That's not my job. I'm here for it. I'm I'm excited for it. I'm really, really excited to see who who they're going to be casting because if I were to have a job in the movie world, I would be a casting director. I love that. I love dream casting in my mind. <laughs> Every single thing. Um, Those poor kids. I, I feel bad for whoever whoever gets cast. They yeah, gotta, no, that, they got a long road I'm, ahead. I'm really concerned for them because. Like they're gonna be scrutinized and compared to the original trio, yeah. And it's it's a dangerous road to be walking, but it's necessary. And I think they're not gonna pick some random people. I think they're gonna do a really good job. Well, that's that's one thing that this series has been excellent at so far is just all the casting choices in the original yeah. Harry Potter films have just been like a plus, right. Like, and I, I can't think, think of anybody that is like, eh, they weren't really cutting it. You know, it's like they were all good. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. So on the announcement on Twitter and Instagram and whatever, the it had the same Harry Potter font. It had the same Hogwarts and it had the same music. So I think those are the three things that are going to be staying the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm OK with that. Yeah, they'll definitely reuse the John Williams themes. I mean, obviously John Williams isn't going to be doing music for the series, but they'll they'll still be incorporating that right. into the music of that musical identity and that 
yeah. visual identity that was established in the films, I do feel like that that's probably what they're going to stick with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you if you had the choice, would you go for a faithful adaptation of the books or would you go for something like a Marauders series or like I'm, Hogwarts Founders series? I would love both. But right now, I think I would rather have the reboot. Hmm. Because what if what has been our biggest issue with the movies ever since we've been seeing them as kids? They're not they couldn't squeeze everything in the book into yeah. the movie. They're not as uh, faithful to the adaptation or faithful to the books. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing we had an issue with. And I think if they take the time and they film them all super close together, um, I think they can knock it out of the park. They can Mm -hmm. give us what we've been wanting this whole time. As long as the Harry Potter fandom does not turn toxic like the Star Wars fandom. Got to be open to it. Hear that, everybody? And and I'll touch on this briefly. You know, I think there is a certain segment of the of the Harry Potter fans that are wanting to boycott this because of the controversy with J.K. Rowling. And I think that's kind of why they have gone with this approach instead of doing like a new series is because those books are written. J.K. Rowling can kind of have minimal involvement in this series from yeah. her perspective. Like she is actually an executive producer on the show. It's yeah. going to be anyway. But like they've got the books. They can they don't have to have her write new, you know, new stories or anything to kind of rely on her. Like she was doing for Fantastic Beasts to kind of mixed results. Equally, I'm interested in who's gonna be like they've got to get like a like a showrunner, someone to kind of like like a Kevin yeah. Feige of Marvel to kind of oversee right. the whole show. I mean, um, I I don't think they're gonna get David Yates to do it, maybe. I don't want them to have David Yates. I don't want, I don't want anybody. That's the thing. It, 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 from the old it needs thing. to be a new, a new kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I would like for it to be someone else, but I don't know. He might be on as some kind of, we need a consultant. Dave Filoni and John Favreau of, <laughs> of Harry Potter. And I don't know where to look for that other than YouTubers. Like the super Carlin brothers know what they're doing. They have master's degrees in, Harry Potter lore. Not really, but like the equivalent <laughs> of it. I fully trust them in that. If they wanted to do something, they could do that. I don't know if any other. Maybe it has to just be a fan. Come. But like Dave Filoni had the Clone Wars to, to get his stature up and stuff. Harry Potter hasn't had that, really. The only other thing yeah. was Fantastic Beasts and that kind of. Yeah, they'll need someone to kind of oversee everything and to kind of set the tone, um, you know, for all the episodes and keep it like, obviously, this is a big undertaking. This is at least seven seasons, I'm thinking. It genuinely stresses me out thinking about it. If I was in charge of this, oh my goodness. And with TV, I mean, I don't know how many episodes it would be, how they would do it, but like generally the same person doesn't usually direct every single episode. So which like, could be interesting. I'm curious about the tone, how, right. how how they'll keep it consistent throughout with not just, what is it, four directors in the original mm-hmm. Harry Potter series versus, you know, three or four times that many across, you know, a whole yeah. TV series now. So that would be very interesting to see how they keep that consistent. I think that's a really good format to use because even in, 
the books, even in a dark book like this, you're going to want a different director than from the first movies mm-hmm. to handle like the darker subjects and stuff like that. Um, and even in the dark, in these dark books, you're going to have that quirky chapter or quirky filler episode uh, <laughs> of like, I don't know, Grop. Or, <laughs> oh, I, I want them to do uh, Hagrid in the meeting up like trying to recruit the giants that whole episode Hagrid's tale mm. um, you can have a different chapter of the book that has a completely different vibe than the others and I think having multiple directors would be awesome for that as long as there's a standard I mean at the end of the day it's still it still is going to be another adaptation like there's going to be some things that you kind yeah. of do have to change for it to translate visually yeah. like there's there's certain sections of the book that's just what harry's thinking you know how mm-hmm. how he's feeling and you just have to make sure you can kind of convey that can we, can we just have like harry's inner monologue he's just walking the to narrator. the bridge pitch thinking about life and there's just like it's narrated by jim dale <laughs> dude i want jim dale to be a part of it somehow um <laughs> Yeah, I, I I think there's a lot of potential and there's a lot of opportunities to mess it up, <laughs> but a lot of opportunities to right some wrongs. And I'm here for it. And as long as you, everyone keeps the mindset of this isn't going to take away from the original series, right? let them yep. do their thing, let them cook a little bit, I think we'll be happy. And, you know, you were saying, you know, you feel like it, maybe it's a little too soon for you. But I I still feel like this show is a long ways off. Um, yeah, you're right. Like I mean, even even then, still, it it might be too soon. But like I was thinking back that they made that that announcement that when Amazon got the rights to like Lord of the Rings and they made that show that just came mm-hmm. out last year, Rings of Power. Yeah, that announcement was made in like 2017, and we didn't see the show till 2022. Now yeah. COVID probably had some effect on that, but that was like a long time. Because it was kind of a similar situation. They basically just made this big announcement saying, hey, we got the rights and we're going to make something. Yeah. We don't know what yet, but we're making something. (laughs) And I kind of feel like that's kind of what's going on here. It's like, I mean, they know what they're making, but, you know, they don't know who's who's in charge, who's going to be in it, what it's going to look like. I I think they're still kind of hammering out all those details right now. So, yeah, no, I I don't know. If we're still doing the podcast, by the time it comes out, we can do an episode-by-episode episode breakdown. Of course. Of course. But. Um, <laughs> I I mean, now that it's been announced, I, I did say that, and I agree with that. It's a little too soon. But now that it's been announced, I'm excited for it. Like, no. Harry Potter is going through a renaissance right now, a resurgence, and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Hogwarts Legacy just dropped the past couple months. Um, I'm not a video game person, but I did purchase the game as soon as it was available and I'm loving it so far. I mean, it's, a, it's a video game, but it's immersive and it's awesome. And it, it's, oh man, once the hype for that, I mean, they've already sold like $850 million worth of games so far. And the switch version isn't even out yet. And they've already confirmed a sequel to that game 
Oh. Yeah. So it's going to be pretty legit. Um, the Hogwarts train is uh, leaving the station, if you will. Better get on board. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm ready for it to happen, like, in a year or two, if they want to. Yeah. I'd be okay with it. We're We're looking forward to it. Um, I'm definitely willing to give it a shot. And like you said, it doesn't take away from the old ones. You can still enjoy those. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just a it's a new take for, you know, the new generation. And the words that I'm hanging on hanging off of right now is the tweet that they tweeted and it said faithful adaptation T V mm-hmm. television series. So I'm gonna trust it. For now. now if they make some dumb casting decision if chris pratt is in it we walk no i'm okay with that (laughs) people are hating on chris pratt he was nickelbacked recently and now everyone's like oh nickelback's pretty good huh (laughs) he didn't do that bad in mario yeah of course he's chris pratt he's a great what american character can he play no he doesn't even have to be american i want to hear that's another thing (laughs) we were we just wrapped it up that's another thing before they had only had they had a rule where they could only have British actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. But they used them all. So they're going to have to dive into some American actors, you know? <laughs> yeah, they used all the A-list British actors. I mean, there's some new ones. I mean, and, you know, like the parents need to be younger in this one. So, you know, I could see like a Taron Edgerton series black or something like that or Lupin. Ooh. Okay. Hmm. Taron Edgerton as Lupin could, could be pretty cool. Um. You know, they got to be like in their 30s. Because they were, yeah. Uh, Lily and James were in their 20s, like newlyweds, basically, when they were killed. So, you know what? Th- there could be some. I know there are some rumors of people, want- people wanting to have Adam Driver play Snape. Now, when you say you are hearing rumors, are these rumors you are starting? Both. No, no, I've definitely seen that. Starting um, or spreading or both? The people want Adam Driver to play Severus Snape. And I think he has, he definitely has the chops to do it. Because Alan Rickman. Oh, for sure. Alan Rickman destroyed, in a good way, he destroyed that role. Maybe, maybe just like he killed that role. I'll just say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's a really tough one to replace. And you got to have someone that can handle such a complex character and i think adam driver could do that for sure no that's enough he's just a boy you say much more and you might as well induct him into the order straight up good i want to join if Voldemort's raising an army then i want to fight well i i think we should uh get into the movie what do you what do you say about that harry potter 5 and the order of the phoenix all right so this movie came out in 2007 Specifically, July 11th, 2007. In the middle of the summer. And it was an interesting summer because there was a fever pitch around Harry Potter because this movie was coming out, but also the last book, uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, was coming out at the same time. They came out within like two weeks of each other. The book came out like a couple weeks after the movie came out. Yeah. As far as like your timeline of reading the books, would this have been like the first one you went into having read the book before, or would that have been Goblet of Fire? 
No, I did not read Goblet of Fire before the movie. Okay, so this is the first one, right? Yeah. Or had you not read this one either? I was in fourth grade. I actually don't think I did. Because imagining myself as a fourth grader reading an 800-page book, <laughs> I don't know about that. Pretty pretty daunting, yeah. One thing that was interesting, though, with the, with the book, uh, Order of the Phoenix, was any, any family that uh, grew up reading these books with, like, their parents or, like, their siblings, you would kind of have that family copy of the book. <laughs> and you'd have to, like, share it around. Yeah, yeah. Unless you were rich and could afford multiple copies. No, those books but were, what, like, $30, $40. I mean, they were brand new, you know. You had to wait in line at the borders. Yeah, they had, like, midnight releases. People would be all dressed up. Yeah. Waiting in line. For a book. When was the last time people did that for a book? I know. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, that's how it was. I I specifically remember it. By the time we got to the fifth book, which came out on your birthday, Jeremy, in 2003. Yeah. Sure did. um, That was the first one that had, like, okay, I was caught up, and I was waiting for the new book to come out. And I remember I had gone to summer camp, summer of 2003. It was my first Boy Scout summer camp. Ooh, and I okay. remember the last day of camp was the 21st of June, your birthday. <laughs> and I remember getting picked up and like driving all the way back home. And we went over to our great aunt's house and she had gotten me, even though it was your birthday, she probably got you a birthday present. She got me one as well because mine's in June. You know, you're the favorite. <laughs> I don't remember what she got you. I just remember what she got me. And she got me a Big copy. Big nothing. She got me my own <laughs> copy of Order of the Phoenix. And it was the first time I was like, oh, I don't have to wait for the family copy yeah. to get like passed around. And like, oh, okay, I'm done with it for now. Here, you can have it for a chapter or two. Like I had my <laughs> very own copy I could read. And I was so excited about that. No, I don't know. Yeah. Some different families had different ways of reading the books. Some like their parents read it to them. But ours... Our mom didn't do that. We just, she would just like read it for herself and then give it to us. And like, we just share it. You know, the thing that really ages me and I don't, I I am a little old, but I I didn't really read the books around this time, but I do remember listening to them on tape on cassette. yeah. Yeah. Not even CD. And I remember, uh, I listened to the fifth one on CD because I think yeah. I was a little bootleg, actually. Yeah, yeah, we had a bootleg. Yeah, and uh, we, well, we copied it from the library. <laughs> yeah, we're like, hold. I'm not wait. I'm I'm gonna have to wait on hold for another seven years for this one. We burned twenty six discs. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But we did. So, yeah, I def- we definitely had some of them on tape. I have a vivid memory of being at the Holland House. And we had one of those Saturdays where, like, mom gets you up early and it's like, all right, boys, we're doing some cleaning today. And you're like, oh, it's mm. not going to be fun. You got, oh, we're doing yeah. chores. We're doing chores. And we're not stopping until we finish the book. <laughs> and I, I have a, a memory of, like, having the third book, basically listening to that in an entire day because we just, like, yeah. had it on, like, a boombox blasting so you could hear it in like every room of the house while yeah. we were all doing our different chores just scrubbing the, bathroom, the tiles in the kitchen doing the dishes cleaning your bedroom that was a good for some reason that's a core memory for me i remember that i remember that that's, too that's a good one 
I remember thinking the whole time, man, if this was, if mom was Molly Weasley, we would just not have to do these chores. <laughs> she just wave the wand and you're done. She'd make you go outside and denome the the garden. Yeah, that we didn't have. Um, the the memory though I have about the movie coming out was this was summer two thousand seven, and I kind of think it came out shortly after I'd gotten back from summer camp that year too. But the thing that I really remember about this time of summer oh seven is we had moved into a different house, and when I came back from summer camp, mom told me that there had been like a water leak in the house. And we had to replace like sec- sections of like the wall outside of our like bathroom. Yeah. And like all the flooring had to be like redone. The, the, yeah. The, the house had carpet and we like had to take it all out because there was like water leaking underneath. Yeah. And we found out there was like leaky water in the walls and it like there was mold growing. So we had to like redo some drywall. So basically I came back from summer camp and the house was like torn apart. Like, Which ha- this is Holland. This was at Oakdale. Oakdale. This was oh seven. So right. we had just moved in there, been there a few years, and this is when we found out like the guy who owned the house before us built it himself and didn't do it the right way. The guy who built it also <laughs> built the burrow, but without magic. Yes, essentially, it was the burrow without magic. Like he didn't know what he, he was. He doing. knew what he was doing, kind of, but like. It it wasn't up to code. He eyeballed it. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was the first of many problems we found at that house. But, um, yeah. but I, I remember that summer. I guess I, I specifically remember the book a little bit of uh, reading the Deathly Hallows that summer. But it was also paired with the movie of Order of the Phoenix. And I kind of feel like that summer for me, the excitement for the movie probably got like overshadowed by the excitement for the final book yeah i don't know if you were at that point you were feeling the same way or if you were probably, probably more excited for the movie probably, i was definitely more excited for the movie because i was not reading the book yeah. do you think i had a chance to read when the three of y'all were juggling the seventh book yeah i mean there would have been four of us reading it and only two copies so yeah and i wasn't sharing with you yeah i do remember <laughs> i listened to most of the book while redoing the floors Mm -hmm. i guess i i think we may have bought the audiobook for it too because i have that memory for deathly hallows Mm -hmm. i i'm not sure i i remember reading the book deathly hallows basically like while we were like renovating the house yeah it was kind of an ongoing process it didn't it was kind of slow. I remember, li- I don't, may, may have not been Deathly Hollows. Maybe it was Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, it may have been one of the other um, ones. Because I remember taking up the baseboards and, you know, like hammering out that little wire piece, falling yeah. asleep on the ground because I was so tired. <laughs> but I was listening to it on the boombox. Mm-hmm. It may have been Order of the Phoenix. Maybe. I don't know. Who cares? Just details. Yeah, I just remember, uh, you know, hiding away for a little while, trying to get out of doing work and like grabbing the the new book. I think we were all trying to sneak <laughs> away and like read another chapter or so here and there as we were like <laughs> redoing the floors and stuff. There just isn't that much excitement about 
a book series anymore. Yeah, yeah. People keep saying like, well, not people keep saying like, I've heard some people be like, Harry Potter is not that great. <laughs> that's there's no way that's the best book series. Um, no. I've never seen anybody line up for anything. Maybe Hunger Games gave it a run for its money as when it comes to cultural impact of a book, not a movie. But there hasn't been anything since. Twilight. I don't know. Twilight probably probably is the closest thing yeah. book-wise because I really don't remember much hype about the Hunger Games books. I mean, they may have even all been out by the time the movies came out. I don't even know. I didn't read those. When the Hunger Games came out, I specifically was like, oh, this is based on books. I'm not reading the books. I'm just going to watch the movies and see <laughs> if I like it. I don't want to be disappointed by you know, a bad adaptation or something. Hunger Games is one of those books you can't put down. Like, Hunger, Catching Fire is a top 10 book for me, period. But anyways. I think that, I mean, there's not really many instances where people, you know, do those, like, exciting midnight release, you know, type events anymore where yeah. people line up like that. Like People don't even go to a midnight release of a movie. They don't really even do that with movies anymore. They do it, like, the, the 7 or 8 p.m. on a Thursday. Yeah. People don't go places anymore at midnight. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Books have never been anything like that where people have midnight releases for. Yeah. But, you know, I the only other thing I can think of is like video games and like new consoles yeah. and that sort of yeah. thing. A new um, iPhone. I don't think games are like that anymore. Maybe like a new console, like a PS5 coming out. But, I, yeah. you know, there really isn't many events like that anymore where it's like i gotta be there at midnight i gotta get in line i gotta get the first seat for this movie in the theater yeah so i don't know i'm kind of ready for a new book series to come up like a brand new like culturally impactful book series that could be cool i i know percy jackson is a huge like has a huge fan base like mm -hmm. bigger than most like almost just as big as harry potter but I don't feel like it was current with the books being written. I feel like they got more popular after they were done. I don't know. Well, that's another one they're redoing. Yeah. As a faithful adaptation, at least trying to, Disney+. Plus. Apparently the adaptations for Percy Jackson were horrible. And they were pretty bad. I, I, I read the first two. And they were completely different. So, but nothing will be ever as bad as the book to movie adaptation, Aragon, two thousand six. <laughs> that was pretty bad. Well, I can't say it because I never read. I the didn't book, even read the, the book, and I know it was bad. The movie wasn't very good. Yeah. And and everyone that I've ever talked to that read the Aragon books are just so so disappointed in that because they loved they loved those books so much, like almost as much as Harry Potter. Yeah. A good faithful adaptation, Redwall. The random Canadian cartoon television show <laughs> from the early 2000s. But yeah, even though the final book of the series was coming out, I mean, I still was like really excited for Order of the Phoenix for the movie to come out. Um, because Voldemort's back in this episode, you know? In this episode. Dark Arts. The, in back. Dark Arts, baby. 
Voldemort <laughs> is back, whether you admit it or not, Fudge. <laughs> and we're excited to see how this plays out. I mean, people knew what happened because they've read the books, but like, how are they going to make it visualized, you know? For me, like going into these movies, I'm not like super visual. And so I didn't always like have a, oh, it's it's going to look like this specifically. Like I've got this vision in my mind of how it's supposed to be. Yeah. But that would be the exciting thing for me is going in and saying, okay, how how do they, you know, <laughs> visualize mm-hmm. it? I think that maybe whether I read this before or not seeing the movie, I had an image of the Ministry of Magic and it wasn't it. I didn't think that was it at all. Like the Department of Mysteries, it like the black tile and the green flames, like mm-hmm. it's not what I expected it to be. Yeah, it's something I've grown to kind of appreciate the look for. Yeah. But I agree. The first time I saw it, I wasn't I, I was like, that's what it looks like. Yeah. Honestly though, I would probably turn like I would decorate, remodel my bathroom with that vibe, honestly. <laughs> like the black tile. Yeah. That is legit. <laughs> I, I just got to buy a house. It's kind of interesting how the Ministry of Magic is just underground, like this one huge sub world, basically. Or just like one area, like one big building, I guess. And our knowledge of government is like an entire semi state. Like it's a it's a city. It is huge. Not just one building. You you definitely get a sense that there's a lot it's a lot bigger and you don't really get to explore all of it. Yeah. But it's definitely not the size of like a state. But then again, this is probably just like the ministry in London, right? I mean Yeah. For the UK. They like in the Fantastic Beasts they had like a separate thing for America, right? Yeah, but so do most governments. Yeah. So countries and governments. Well, that's the thing. It's like <laughs> when you're reading the books, you don't even consider other countries, really. <laughs> you get a little bit of that in Goblet of Fire, but like yeah. it's, all, it's all just in England, right? Pretty much. Not really. <laughs> um, actually, in the game, there's this one student that's a transfer student from Africa, and the way she describes the school there in the wizarding community sounds really cool. The new game, not like the Order of the Phoenix game. Right. Yeah. Not the Order of the Phoenix game where <laughs> Umbridge slaps Harry. There's a clip of that of that going on going around online from the game where like Umbridge slaps Harry. And I thought that was like an exaggeration. Like people yeah. are laughing at it. And then we watched the movie and like she does slap him. <laughs> so Yeah, but in the game it's funny because it looks like just like a <laughs> GTA scene cutscene. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like she winds up. <laughs> Jeremy, what what do you think this movie does well? I'd be curious what you think it does well. Oh boy, the thing I like is the tonal shift, right where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. I think with this new director. Now I have said some things about Chris Columbus. In the past, in the past episodes, I was a little hard on him. I should be a little hard on David Yates. <laughs> but the thing he does well, 
I think was the color grading is like bluish for this mm-hmm. movie. And that just completely matches the scholastic book cover and how I imagine this movie. <laughs> Forget about the English version, all other versions, but the American scholastic book cover mm-hmm. is blue and silver. And yeah. I don't know, it's pretty cool. I I'm not saying he was bad. He was kind of boring. There wasn't much personality. Um actors a lot are like standing still when they're giving their dialogue. It's not like a dynamic movement. Um like yep. shot reverse shot type of stuff. The visuals don't really have feeling. I don't know, I felt a little distant from the characters this time. And it's a modern spin with a different take. Um, I did like the shaky cam style. It, it, that's the only bit that I like felt, you know, mm-hmm. uh, especially like in the ministry after Bellatrix on a lives uh, series. That was pretty good. Um, I never made the connection to the blue color grading to the book. But that is that is a good Dude, touch. I'm noticing that constantly. They they do that for the sixth one. They did it for the fourth one. Ooh. I I don't like the color grading on the sixth one. We could talk yeah, about that one next it's time. It's brown. It's not it's good. green brown, yeah. But the book is green. <laughs> so it's just a complete change from icy cold blue to dark warm brown. Yeah, it's it's a little different. But <laughs> yeah, I've got a, I've got some notes here. Um some of it you've already touched on, but kind of like some of the pros and cons of like David Yates as a director. Yeah. Um, because he does set the tone going forward. He, he goes on to direct, you know, five, six, seven, seven part two, um, and all the fantastic beast movies. So like, he's yeah. kind of, obviously he didn't like come up with all the design and stuff that was kind of established and worked through in the first four movies, but basically Mm -hmm. from order of the Phoenix on the movies do have a good consistent tone. And so I do think that's a plus. Yes. He's great with tone and vibe, but when Mm -hmm. the rubber meets the road for just cinematography in general, I don't see it happening. I don't know how much control he had over this. If this was mainly the producers, but we already touched on how, amazing the casting is in this movie and yeah well in in this franchise in general but you know newcomers to order the phoenix we got professor umbridge yes it's a great casting great performance the toad lock face uh bellatrix lestrange oh yeah and luna lovegood those are three three Um, additions to the (laughs) cast and i think those are all like really well cast yeah i yeah, another wow, yeah. I thought you were gonna disagree with me for a second. I'm no, I don't disagree at all. I, okay. I think that's <laughs> I was just thinking I forgot about Luna Lovegood being first mm-hmm. here. Um the other the other addition that David Yates brings to this movie is the composer, Nicholas Hooper. Yeah. And I feel like he's a really good he he's someone that has not done well, David Yates hadn't really done very much either. Yes. But Nicholas Hooper hadn't really done he, very much either. Nicholas Hooper had equal parts. He's the one that's mostly responsible for the vibe change. Uh, the music in this movie, so good. I think the fourth and the fifth movies have the best music. 
Don't even at me, John Williams. Don't at me. I'm sorry. He's not listening. Okay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we can get into the music maybe a little bit later on. Okay. But I think that's a good, like, Nicholas Hooper was a friend of his, and so he brought him on for this one. Oh, that's cool. So that's, that's cool. so that's a, so that's a plus for David Yates. Um, <laughs> uh, and I think that, I think that there's a lot missing in this movie, but it's kind of understandable as far as the adaptation goes. I do have my, my nitpicks here and there. Okay. But I feel like there's, there's things that are missing, but it's like, it's okay that they're missing. I don't know. I, I, I remember my original take like coming out of this movie in 2007 was like, well, that was like a really good adaptation. Just my, my, my first, my first like take on it like <laughs> out of the theater back then. Now real? I've like kind of, I've kind of like changed my mind. Dude, this is the worst adaptation. I don't know if it's the worst. It is. It has to know. be. Between this one, six and four, top three worst adaptations. I think six is going to be pretty bad. I think four was pretty bad. I feel like this leaves out a lot. Yeah. But four leaves out actual characters. I'm not saying this is good. I don't know. I I feel like it works the way that it that it's been put together. Yeah. And I don't I don't uh No, I, don't know. I I I do feel like if you put more in there it could just be like more convoluted than it needs to be. I think it's a clean movie throughout throughout the whole yeah. thing. I think it's clean. But this is the one season that I'm looking forward to the most probably. Mm-hmm. when it comes to the series. So here's my cons for for David Yates. And a lot of these there's a pretty good video essay on YouTube that I watched. It's mm-hmm. called The Man Who Ruined Harry Potter. Oh no. I think it's a little I think it's I think there's some fair criticism in it. I wouldn't say it's a clickbait title. Sure, sure. He didn't ruin Harry Potter. And but there is definitely some some valid criticisms. I think some of them is stuff that you've mentioned. Um, but I think that this movie has some pretty choppy editing. We we noticed that when we were watching it, and I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, it just kind of goes from one thing to the next. I think the movie has like poor blocking, which is kind of like camera movement, combination of camera movement and like actors moving in a scene, mm-hmm. like you know, like you're going to say this line and then you're going to walk over to here and you're going to pick up this drink and drink it, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of scenes with groups of people where they're just standing around looking at each other, not, and it's kind of awkward and the camera's not moving either. Yeah. So it's just very like static shots. Frozen. Yeah. And if you compare that, the video does a good, good job of comparing similar scenes in different movies and saying like, yeah, this the earlier movies like Columbus was, was doing a lot more interesting things with the camera mm-hmm. and like having that, you know, having like good blocking for the actors of like where they should go and, and what they should do in different scenes. And I think a lot of the performances are pretty like subdued. They're like, they aren't as emotional or as like passionate as they should be, especially some of the scenes with Harry, because he's supposed to be pretty angry and angsty throughout the book throughout the movie and i know that it could get annoying Mm -hmm. and it does show it here and there like the one that we did at the intro where he's like look at me like that's good yeah there should have been more of that yeah daniel radcliffe had some 
moments where he had a lot of outbursts, but not as much in the in the movie, or it, not as much as in the books, at least. Just offset yelling at the catering guys. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> I just feel so angry all the time. But I wasn't too upset. I actually, I kind of want to talk about that look at me. Okay. Quote. Um, so, sure, he has, like, Voldemort's possess like possessing him and like in like inserting things and thoughts into his mind but mostly like moods and anger that's basically why he was so angry mm-hmm. but also he was a 15 year old who has a lot to stress out about and a lot of adults that aren't explaining things to him yeah so it's very understandable i don't think harry's character needs to be needs to chill out or anything he's it's very deserved um but when he's like saying look at me i feel like that was mostly harry i i thought it was voldemort possessing him at first but like it's more like in reality it's harry was genuinely upset at dumbledore for ignoring him for the entire year and all that built up with yeah you know like voldemort sort of like throwing in some mood and some some anger and you know whatever um but i feel like that was mostly harry because i would be i would yell at him too (laughs) i think you might be right about that i think it's kind of convoluted because that's not exactly a line that's in the book right right and that's one of those things that like they added and i enjoyed yeah. yeah um so in that scene in the book, he is frustrated that Dumbledore isn't looking at him, like he won't make eye contact with him. But that's kind of going on throughout the whole book, the whole right. story, that Dumbledore has distanced himself from Harry. But there in the book, there is an explanation of like he felt like this urge within him to like strike Dumbledore. Yes. And it was and it was supposed to be like Voldemort reaching out through him kind of in that moment. Yeah. But the way it's it's in the movie, I agree. I think it is more Harry. Just his frustration has built up to this point where he just like has this outburst. Yeah. I think the um the possession scene at the end is a little bit different than how it is in the book, but that's something mm-hmm. I enjoy as well. I don't yeah. know how you feel about that. It's such a weird concept. This is probably like the hardest the legilimens and the occlumency, like mm-hmm. brain thought per possession really is the hardest thing to wrap my mind around when it comes to the magic and just the th- concepts in this series. So it's it's a little weird for me, and I can't really understand all of it. Um, but it really, that ending scene had a lot of heart in it when he was being possessed. Mm-hmm. And uh, seeing him struggle and fight it and everything, and it, it was really cool. The, I think the finale of this movie is really good. All yeah. the stuff at the, you know, fighting the Death Eaters, getting the prophecy. The, the only thing I want. Voldemort and Dumbledore. Yes, that was a pretty cool fight. Actually. It's all really cool. The only thing I want to be changed, and if they want to change the set, I'm okay with that. It's not really what I pictured. Anyways, but the only thing I want is the brains, the brain room with Ron. That That is pretty cool. And yeah. scary. <laughs> And it's almost like cartoonish, which maybe that's why they didn't want that in there. But 
I loved it. Um, do we want to go over my hottest take of this book slash movie? Yes. I was trying to think if I had another note about okay. David Yates here. Um, yeah, I think I, the only other thing as a pro for him is I, I, I did put down, I think he's the one that started the like the newspaper montage storytelling. Yeah. That's kind of a cool. Well, touch no, because that, that was in, in Goblet of Fire. Is it? Well, yeah. I mean, there's definitely cases where it shows like the Daily Prophet and things like that. Yeah. Like even Sirius Black, you know, has escaped in, in the third yeah. one. Newspapers have always been a, a big part of it. But yeah. But he used it as like transitions and montages. Yeah. To tell the story. I mean, he did it between the Daily Prophet and also like the educational decrees. Yeah, that was, that umbrage was kind of nailing to the wall. Um, I and the other thing I wanted to call out, and you mentioned it already, so is just the some of the um, the handheld camera work. There were moments where the camera wasn't just kind of standing still and being boring. Yeah. There there were some moments there where there was some interesting shots. Uh, so I don't want to say it's all it's all boring, but but that was it though. That that was it. It's either <laughs> shaky wrote... cam or not moving at all. Yeah. I just wrote down by all this long list of cons. I just wrote down where's the pizzazz. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they, with this franchise, the the franchise lost some pizzazz when David Yates took over as director. But it does have a consistent tone, which is something I've really appreciated about it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, go ahead and on to the the next segment. Okay. My hottest take, possibly for even. This isn't even a joke. I'm actually upset about it. Uh, my hottest take about Order of the Phoenix is I do not think she should have killed off Sirius. Spoiler alert, sorry. But I think the series could have been better if he lived through it. I don't know. I don't think it needed... It was, seemed really unnecessary to me. Is it wrong? I don't know. Hmm interesting i mean i certainly would have liked him to survive i just think it didn't matter but i guess if everyone else is gonna die <laughs> i guess now is a good time for it but eh. why why doesn't it matter are you saying because of the story going forward with or without him dying the things that happened in this book will have hap will have still happened with or without him dying mm-hmm. Except for Bellatrix screaming, I killed Sirius Black. Ah, I don't know. I just didn't want it to happen. And I think they could have written him a better way out. Here, here's a question. So with the the connection that Harry has with Voldemort, and, and he's doing these occlumency lessons throughout to try and stop him from invading his mind, whenever he is like, possessed at the end of the movie and then Voldemort is out of him like does that sever that connection no because the scar still hurts and stuff right so he just becomes really good at um blocking it out is it just implied that he practices occlumency going forward yes it clears his mind so that Voldemort doesn't try and do that again yes because he still gets visions in like Deathly Hollows. so right yeah he still does yeah yeah he's just practices it so, I mean, the only other, 
you know, lesson that can be learned from like serious dying is like him not list, like not, not trusting those visions and not like going off to save him. Right. And making that mistake. I don't know. But it's also like, that was his one chance. It just hurts. Cause it was yeah. his one chance at a family. And even that was taken away. Everyone that he's close to yeah. gets taken away. It's just really tough. Because even in this whole year, he didn't get to have the time because he's never been proven innocent. He never gets mm-hmm. the time. He's maybe spent like a total of a week or two with this guy because he can barely contact him, you know? So I feel like ever since he became a good guy, Harry has been craving this time with Sirius and it had this in his his head the whole time and he just wants it to he's just looking forward to the day that he can he and Sirius can just hang out and live together or something like become a family and he can't get it it doesn't yeah, happen that's, that's the kind of the letdown of the third book is whenever you know he he gets his hopes up that he can can live with him and then the events that transpire he has to go on the run you know, he isn't proven innocent. Yeah. And it's like that's happening a, a second time almost. Like it's another like, oh, what if, you know, moment of what if we could have been a family or something. Yeah. And the only other thing is like, which I don't think this ne- necessitates, you know, taking serious serious out of the picture, but like having the essential nature of having Harry live with his aunt and uncle because of what's kind of better explained in the book about because of his mother's blood and her sister Petunia. And now he, there's a, a protection there in that house as long as he calls that home. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it is important that he lives with them. But yeah, yeah. You don't have to kill off Sirius just because of that, you know? <laughs> right, right. So I don't know. We'll talk more about the deaths in a couple episodes from now. <laughs> we'll rank all the deaths. Speaking of Sirius, <laughs> though, I, I do. I do think that I like the Sirius's head in the fire look in this one over Goblet no! of Fire. No! I prefer it. I, I do not wrote like this. I that his... down. This sucks. <laughs> it was so lazy. No, it was way worse. Sirius in the ashes, the CGI ashes, is way better than the lazy flames. That is so bad. I hated every second of that. Well, I remember watching that in the theater and being like, that's different and worse. I think it just looks more natural. Nope. I Nope. It's magic. It doesn't need to be natural. It's magic. I feel like it's supposed to be their actual head sticking out of the fire. Exactly. Not, like, not, no, the one in Goblet of Fire isn't their actual head. It's just like random logs and ashes stacked up. But it's more 3D than the flame in the background. Neither of them do justice. It's ashes that... His, like, face becomes the ashes. And it's like his face is poking out. That's 3D. Uh, we, this is going to be Instagram poll. I thought that looked dumb in the fourth one. No, you were wrong. the simple look in the fifth one. I've never argued with you on Harry Potter, and I know for a fact you're wrong. You're wrong. I I won't accept any other answer than that. That sucked so much. 
I wrote it down. I liked it better. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you think like that. <laughs> That's going to be an Instagram poll. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, let let us know if you liked the flame serious or the ashes serious. Because okay. that that upset me. <laughs> here's a here's another related question. Uh, opinion that i wrote down dementors in harry potter 5 not cutting it not cutting it i can agree with that they're much better than the third one put the hoods back on bro you look bald (laughs) no (laughs) yeah that's that's fine i get that uh dementor scene i wish the cgi people just took the time and recreated the stag instead of the ball of light because I mean that's a small detail, but it's also like yeah, just put it for in. the beginning, right? Yeah, for the beginning. Yeah, the attack. I didn't. I actually didn't even notice that. The, yeah, the only. That, yeah. They they should have done that. I mean, they did it for the rest of the movie. Right. They when did it for every other single animal. Why couldn't you do it for the beginning scene? Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Um. Okay. So I I need to make a correction to some statements I've been making on this podcast. Okay. Because throughout we have been covering the Harry Potter movies. Anytime we've talked about the fifth one, I've said like that my biggest gripe about this movie is that it's the longest book and the shortest movie. Mm-hmm. It's technically not the shortest movie. Deathly Hallows Part 2 is actually a little okay, bit shorter. Okay, okay. But that doesn't count because there's two count. movies. Yeah. Okay. That's a four-hour movie. Okay. So <laughs> I just, if anyone ever tries to correct me on that, I understand technically it's not because I was reading I was reading today and I was it was talking about it being the second shortest movie. I was like, what have I been wrong? <laughs> and I looked up all the runtimes. So I was like, oh, it's talking about the the part two. OK, OK. That's fine. Yeah. But I was thinking about it this way. You know, do I really want a longer movie? Because this plot is pretty frustrating to me. It's something that I Ooh, don't enjoy about the, the book. It's something I don't enjoy about the book and of the movie is it is good. It's a good story, but it's so frustrating to go through the whole movie and the whole book th- knowing that like nobody believes Harry. Um, yeah. Uh, Umbridge is being abusive and justice is not being served and he can't talk about it. And it's yeah. just like, it's difficult. It's why I, it's like, I enjoy the book, but because it's so long, I'm like, it's like hard to it's hard for me to like I don't know. Nah, it's, you gotta feel his it feels pain. like a, it feels like a slog sometimes to get through because it's so long. I can understand. And it's that. so frustrating. I so can I was like, do I that. really want, you know, an extra, you know, 30 minutes of frustrating plot? I do. Of course I do. I, I really do. But <laughs> I, I was just thinking about that. Oh man. Imagine the amount of hatred Umbridge would have against her. If we had a longer form show, Jonathan, when I was reading this book and Umbridge having her reign of power for an entire year, me feeling that because it's such a long book, like, man, when is this going to stop? I've never wanted to, for any villain in a book or even in a movie, I've never wanted to just grab a page and rip it out. And go like punch the villain in the face. <laughs> I've felt so violent against this this stupid woman. Yeah. 
toad-like face. She is the worst person. She is worse than Voldemort. Voldemort is low-key <laughs> pathetic. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to argue with you. So she is, she's the worst, and and not as a bad character. So I'm saying she's so good because she's so bad. Of like, course. Like, of course. Yeah. Um, it's so frustrating that it gets your blood boiling. The problem is like. Voldemort's out of the picture for most of the series. Like it's just like, oh, what, what, what is he up to? I don't know. Eh. But like, rarely ever does the villain of the book terrorize the kids for a year, multiple <laughs> months at a time. Most of the time, it's they're being terrorized or like being the antagonist for like a week, maybe maybe one singular night. Mm-hmm. and it's just like in your face nobody can do a single thing about it and she has too much power no justice is being served it is the most frustrating thing ever the, the only other exception I can think of to that is Jenny Weasley being like possessed by Tom Riddle because yes. that was over the course of like a year yes yes, yes but yes, other yes. than that like but I you don't really know that though yeah no She's she's not a main character. Who cares? No, no, no. As far as we know, that's just Voldemort doing his thing in the background. We don't really know what's going on until it gets explained to us. Right, yeah. In the end. So, like, we're not suffering from it. We're just like, oh, what's happening? Right, yeah. I see Kids are getting saying. petrified. But no, we know. We see it in front of us, and we can't do a thing about it. Mm-hmm. Worst villain ever. Ooh. My blood's boiling right now. I hate that lady. <laughs> top, one of the top villains ever. Better than Darth Vader, straight up. <laughs> but Darth Vader is a complex villain. That's a different. You got, this is a one-sided villain. One thing I'm trying to remember, does the movie explain that Umbridge is the one that sent the Dementors to attack Harry at the beginning of the movie? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, it, I remember that it explains that in the book, but yeah. I don't think it. you get that resolution on that in the movie. Sorry, my blood is still boiling from that. Gotta calm down. <laughs> I asked you earlier, like, what... what did the movie do well? And I have a list of those things for myself. Um, I already mentioned, I feel like the soundtrack is really good. I think the movie, yes, that's really good. And I already mentioned the consistent tone going forward. Uh, moments in the movie that I thought were really good was Fred and George's send off. Amen. Um, the final battle and the DA meetings were like really good. Okay. Good moments. I felt yeah. like for the, for the movie. And there's more. Those were just like a highlights. I don't know. For me, when I think of this movie, I kind of remember those those moments. Yeah. Those are like the, the triumphs I, for me. I really love the number 12 Grimmauld Place scenes, and yeah, I wish we yeah. had more of that. Mm-hmm. I wish they had more of the Christmas, and I, I seriously wish they went to St. Mungo's. That's, the, that's like the top thing that I wanted in this movie is the St. Mungo scene, like Harry waking up 
and them going there and then like Fred and George being like adults and they're like, we're going there right now. And Dumbledore's like, you can't go. Mm -hmm. You'll blow the entire operation. How are you going to explain him being there? You know, um, right. Just like the, all ah, I felt it so much. It's another another way to like expand the world building of the wizarding world too. of like seeing this. As far as we know, every wizard just goes to the hospital wing. Yeah. But there's a hospital for wizards like they don't just magic, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. There's it's kind Where of do they go if they have a normal like muggle ailment. Yeah. Well, there's a funny there's a funny uh section in the book where like Arthur is trying to heal from these snake bites and he gets convinced into like trying to do some like stitches for it to heal it. Yeah. And and Molly's just like, "What are you messing around with these like muggle remedies? This is <laughs> this is that's nonsense. What are you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> um great. I I've always liked though that they run into Gilderoy Lockhart at St. Mungo's. Yes. You get to see him again. And more importantly, Neville's parents. Ah. Took away from Neville's character in the movie for sure. So in the movie they changed that to he just confides that information in Harry like after a DA meeting. Is that how it how it went in the movie? I don't remember. I just remember Sirius telling him at the train station about it. I don't remember them talking about it at all. Yeah, I, I kind of remember a scene where he's like, I am proud of my parents. I'm just not ready for everyone to know just yet. Oh, okay. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now I remember that. Yeah, I've I've got the book in the movie interlapping yeah. and the game yeah. right now. Just like, <laughs> I'm in Harry Potter mode right now and I can't stop. So, I mean, while we're on this subject, I, I do have some moments too that things that were in the book that I wish were in the movie. St. Mungo's was one of them. The brain scene was yeah. a, was one. I don't know, for whatever reason, that just appeals to kids, these floating brains, yeah. you know, like attaching on to Ron. Like, I feel like if there was one thing I was like waiting to see in, in this movie, it was that, and yeah. it wasn't in there. <laughs> uh, Harry and Cho's awkward first date. <laughs> yes, yes. So, okay, so... I think Cho gets done dirty in this movie. Yeah. Because from what I remember from watching it. Uh, she gets done dirty in the books, though. I mean, but it's a little bit different because the way that they leave it res like unresolved in this is basically like they have that kiss and then they don't go on the date like they do in the book. Yeah. They blame it on Cho that she ratted the DA out to Umbridge. Yeah, they like they blame it on her instead of her friend, like it is in the book, and it is revealed like, oh, they used yeah, Veritas Veritas serum. serum, yeah. But there's no there's no other like reconciliation after that. He just sees her on the on the train on the way home. And it's like, well, I guess we're I guess that's done with. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll go for my best friend's younger sister. I don't know. I mean, obviously, we didn't wasn't it wasn't gonna last, but. Yeah, sure. There was just know. a little bit more of like, like I said, that awkward first date scene in Hogsmeade with them and like her getting jealous of him wanting to meet up with Hermione. Yeah, a lot of like and... Hermione giving the boys girl advice in yeah. this is really entertaining to me. I'm sure Harry's kissing was more than satisfactory. 
Um, <laughs> my biggest, probably my biggest gripe between them not putting the St. Mungo scene in is not involving Ron with Quidditch until the sixth movie. That's probably yeah. one of my favorite parts of the book is just like Harry's sitting in, he can't participate in Quidditch at all because of the stupid lady. And he's mm-hmm. in detention while Ron is trying out for the team. And then like Jenny takes over his spot as seeker. Does that really explain how she got on the team in the sixth movie? Or does she just try out? I don't really remember the the Quidditch stuff for me definitely gets confusing like because of the changes they made in the yeah. movie. And I don't remember what's in what book. Um, it's some lame stuff. Cause like, Weasley is our king. Oh, that would have been such a good part. Put some Quidditch in the movie, man. Did they not do that same storyline just in the sixth one? They don't say Weasley is our king. No way. They, they don't have that chance. No. But there is that storyline of like well, Ron becoming not being a, a great keeper and kind of nervous. Yeah. When the pressure's on. But he does that. It just happens twice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, he gets. Anyways, like there's this fight between uh, Harry and Draco and one of the twins, Fred or George, one mm-hmm. of the twins and Harry, like straight up dog on Draco Malfoy. They beat him up and it's violent and they get in trouble for it and they get it's kicked funny. off the team. Yeah, it's it's only one of the twins, but then Umbridge kicks the other one off too because she's like, yeah. "Oh, he would have done it too." Yeah, that <laughs> if was someone really... didn't stop him. And then and then George is like, "That's right, I would have done it. I'm fine with it. Take me off." <laughs> um, and like Angelina Johnson being the captain, she doesn't really get her time to shine in this movie. The series just didn't do Quidditch right, and I feel like the whole, the only time Quidditch in the fan have has ever been like represented like <laughs> fan service is when the PlayStation two game came out. Uh, there are, I mean the original couple movies with Quidditch. Yes. But then like even in this movie and even in this new game, they've canceled Quidditch for the year because somebody got injured. Mm-hmm. Um, people want Quidditch so much. And we don't get it much in the later movies. And it needs to happen. We need a little bit of, like, them being kids as well as everything else dark happening. It's so, such a great side story. Yeah, I was was thinking about that and how, like, they don't pick that back up until the sixth movie. And I was just thinking about for, like, Daniel Radcliffe. He's probably like, I haven't had to do these dumb scenes since like the third movie. Like, yeah, like I bet it's like really uncomfortable to do those scenes on the broom and stuff like that. In front of the green <laughs> screen. Like he's probably yeah. just like, Oh man, I got to do this again. I haven't done this in a while. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he's been on a broom, not for the fifth one, but I guess, no, yeah. I guess so, yeah. He's been on a broom in every single movie. Yeah. Like you're, you know what? You're right. Um, but like Ron becoming a prefect and then asking his mom for a really expensive gift. And she doesn't have the heart to tell him no, so she's like, you know what, we'll do it. And he's like, oh, nothing like a Nimbus or anything. Just something like a little newer and nicer. Yeah. Like a Comet 260 or whatever he had. Clean sweep. And uh, it's really cool. And then he sort of like surprises Harry by uh, trying out for the team while he's in 
detention. Yeah. And he makes the team and it's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that could have been, could have been something they could have added. Yeah. And hopefully they will in the series. Like this is the type of stuff like people kind of forget people that are quick to judge the new reboot. They kind of forget like, you know what? The movies aren't perfect. There's some things we still need to see. So now I was reading about the movie on Wikipedia and there was a link to this article and it's got a quote from David Yates. It's, it's like an old quote. Mm -hmm. It's like an old article from 2006 on the fan website, Harry Potter site, the leaky org. <laughs> and the quote from David Yates is I've shot a movie. That's probably over three hours. It says the book's huge, but it actually distills quite easily. That said, I've shot a movie that's probably over three hours, so I'll have to lose 45 minutes in the edit. No! So my question to that is, why? <laughs> Release the Yates cut. <laughs> I mean, if it's just more like boring shot scenes, fine. Like, but That's what I want. Any... That's what I want. Some of my favorite I... chapters in Harry Potter are the filler ones. You know, I honestly, I didn't think that it would have been that kind of shoot. I feel like probably it was a more condensed script. Something we haven't touched on is this is the only movie that wasn't written by Steve Cloves, mm -hmm. who was the screenwriter for all the other movies, except for this one. Interesting. He got to the fifth one and he was kind of like. He was just exhausted from yeah. back to back to back and wanted to work on some other project, so he did. But after five, he came back and worked on the rest of them. Hmm. Uh, I just thought it was a more like condensed script from maybe like a different screenwriter that, you know, hadn't really worked on Potter before. Yeah. But that was frustrating to read that there there actually was tons and tons of more footage like that. He's Recover having to cover it cut down, release it. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't seem fair. Oh, it's just boring filler stuff. OK, yeah. but we've got. Lord of the Rings nerds that need an extra hour and a half of an already three hour long movie <laughs> of them walking in the woods some more. Come on. Don't even play yeah, that card. We don't need all 45 minutes. Just make it longer than Goblet of Fire. You know, like it's a bigger <laughs> book. Make it longer than that one. <laughs> uh, a couple things I wanted to mention as like I actually was disappointed in when I did see it, the movie was the occlumency lessons being like shorter and not seeing like the full memory of James and Snape like yeah. at their time. It's very rushed in this movie. It's like very much just like very quick. You just get the very basic idea that yeah. he like did something mean to Snape and that's kind of it. That's why Snape's so mean. He's was bullied his whole life. I always felt like that was rushed and I wish they had spent a little bit more time on that. And if there's a three hour version of this movie, I, I bet there was more to it. Probably. Um, David Yates, if you're listening, put together the cut. You know, you can do it. I'll give you $5. I will give you $5. Um, another section I, I've always liked about this book is it's year five. They get into their like OWL year and you start to talk about like career. Yes. Options. And that's not really, you know, discussed much in the movie, but 
it is something that like I really enjoyed. Like Harry has a conversation yes. with McGonagall about like, okay, what kind of grades he needs to get in this subject if he wants to become like an R and like, yeah. and it even actually says in the book like that would require excellent grades in in Hogwarts, but even additional schooling outside of yeah, like additional few years training at least, maybe yes. not school, but. So it was kind of cool to see, oh, there's other things beyond Hogwarts, too, as far as, like, career goes. I love it. I love that idea because they're prepping for their future that their uncertain yeah. will exist because mm-hmm. Voldemort might take over the world. Who knows? But it's so cool. It's such a breath of fresh air, thinking about what they're going to choose as their career. And it got me to think, what would I do and what would you do? What would your OWLs be in? Like, what would your outstanding OWLs be in? Have you ever thought about that? What class would you do the best in? (laughs) Which one would I do? Uh, Well, I've always equated potions with science class. And I never did bad in science, but I never did that great either. So I feel like I wouldn't be good at potions. Also, I'm not a good cook. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's definitely mine. (laughs) Potions, I I would love. Um, but my career, I would probably do really well in, in potions, but I don't think I would do super well in herbology, but I would help, I would, uh, work really hard on it. Cause those, that and potions goes hand in hand. Uh, but I would either want to work in the medical field, uh, at St. Mungo's or open my own restaurant something like that but like heavy on the potions the ones that always like seemed the coolest to me i mean potions seemed cool um if it didn't have like a terrible teacher that hates harry but uh like charms class always sounded fun yeah or you know defense against the dark arts or transfiguration those were like the three that like oh those would be really cool to to be in why is transfiguration such a core common core class When are you going to need to turn a cow into a, a wagon? <laughs> All the students are like, McGonagall, like, when are we ever going to use this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll use it when you become a cat. I, I'm too skeptical to put up with any of the divination nonsense. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do I that. I think it's really funny that, um, like, Lavender and Pavardi loved her like they Mm -hmm. that was their favorite class just Mm -hmm. like the signs girls the classic like aries and pisces (laughs) what's your sign that's the that's classic them yeah um i think it's funny too that like (laughs) dumbledore admits in the book like not valuing it as a subject at all like he only agreed to meet with trelawney because she was like the granddaughter of a famous wizard or something and yeah <laughs> i then she has like a legit prophecy in front of him so he's <laughs> like oh man i need to keep her around <laughs> shoot and he needs she needs to stay locked away as far as everyone else can be um <laughs> i i really liked her in the book i feel like they did her a little dirty too because they just they haven't given her a real moment where she's just flat out real. Like she kind of breaks character in the books and she's like, I hate that woman. Yeah. And she's like, I've been here so long and I deserve to be here. But she's just like, 
<laughs> and like whenever she's being tested, she's like, oh, I see something dark. But in the book, she like rolled her eyes at her and stuff like some small details. Like, yeah, I know more than you. And I know I'm in the right. Like she's, a, I don't know. She's not so crazy in the book as she is in the movie. I, w- I will say this. There are some deleted scenes for this movie. Yeah. And when I looked them up on YouTube, a lot of them actually were like extended shots of Trelawney. Like okay. she had shot some, like there were some more extended scenes with like Umbridge doing the inspection in the mm-hmm. classroom. But none of the bonus scenes were like altogether just new stuff. It was like, just little beginning or ending tags to like scenes that were in the movie. Yeah. There wasn't really anything extra of substance there that they released. So (laughs) another thing I forgot about because I haven't read the book in a long time was that Ferenz took over as the divination teacher and she, and he was like, (laughs) all right, y'all don't need to worry about like the fortune telling crap. Just let's worry about (laughs) astronomy and let's, how to read that and also i was thinking oh i completely forgot and then my first thought was man how did forens get up in that how did he climb that ladder he's a centaur and then like (laughs) two seconds later they explained it like oh we're in classroom 11 i had the exact same thought (laughs) when i was realistic i was laughing really hard i was like oh that'd be so funny imagining him trying to climb up the ladder (laughs) Ugh. Yeah, there, there's also a, a history of magic class, which they always say is boring, but I always liked history, so I, I probably Benz. would take that. Yeah, I don't know. It depends I on just, the teacher. I just did a Google search for all the subjects. Okay, there's there's an article here from Collider that says twelve, or it says uh, Harry Potter Hogwarts classes ranked from potions to defense against the dark arts. <laughs> Number twelve, Muggle studies. That's Ooh, the last, yeah, bottom of the that. list. <laughs> Number 11, arithmancy. That's just math. Is that just math? No, I don't know what it is. Wait. What is mm. that? If complica- It says, if complicated number charts are your thing, then arithmancy will be right up your street. Bro, that's Focusing so on magical, you. On the magical properties of numbers, this one is Hermione Granger's favorite subject. In other words, a difficult class. Dude, you're such a you're an accountant, oh, dude. This is so okay. You. So yeah, <laughs> especially by this sentence here. So if you consider yourself a bit of a Hermione, then you may just excel at this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I funny. guess I guess I'd be in uh, arithmetic. Ooh, alchemy. They don't really talk about that in the books, do they? They talk about Al- alchemy in the first book. It says elective course is open to sixth and seventh year students, and it's all about the elements earth, water, fire, and air, avatar type stuff. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, number nine, astronomy. Says, yeah. So you certainly don't need to be at Hogwarts to study astronomy, but studying the stars and planets from the astronomy tower sounds a lot more fun. This is one of the core classes on offer at the school, meaning, like it or not, those wands need to be swapped out for Stella's for telescopes <laughs> ancient runes that's one that was always discussed and i never knew what it meant that's like the latin class like the dead language okay class study of the ancient form of writing used by witches and wizards like hieroglyphics and stuff like that okay yeah 
uh, number seven, History of Magic. Exactly as it sounds. Uh, number six, Transfiguration. So changing the appearance of objects and people sounds like a lot of fun, but McGonagall makes it clear from the beginning that Transfiguration is some of the most dangerous magic you'll be taught at Hogwarts. Hmm. Number five, Herbology. Number four, Charms. So, okay, so like, explain charms because i feel like charms and defense against the dark arts kind of goes hand in hand yeah it's more of like spell casting and stuff the rest isn't like there's not a lot of spell casting in the other in the other subjects well i'll um i'll read the little blurb that's on the article this isn't like a pottermore type article it's just a news sure. you know one of those okay entertainment websites but um it says this core class taught by professor flitwick teaches young witches and wizards the way of the wand but precision is key here in the words of hermione it's leviosa not leviosa (laughs) it was the class it was this class that taught harry ron and hermione valuable spells which got them out of a fair few sticky situations escaping a giant troll for one a favorite of harry's mum Lily, Charms teaches students the vital spells needed to succeed in the wizarding world. This is definitely one in the sign me up now category for Hogwarts classes. Yeah. So, I mean, it can probably overlap into some that would be useful in a situation, but it's also just like everyday spells, I would think. Yeah. I feel like Charms is just your spellcasting class, and then Defense Against the Dark Arts is just like a culmination of every single class, mm-hmm. but with the intent of defending yourself against the dark right. arts. And maybe just like how to use the wand, like the movements and like how to say the spells and that sort of thing. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, number three, defense against the dark arts. Number two, care of magical creatures. I would not be taking that. What? Oh yeah. You don't like animals. I think that'd be uh, fascinating. I, I'm not a pets guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I worked at a zoo, and I... I'm took... certainly not taking it with Rubius Hagrid. <laughs> that put me in dangerous situations. You ain't getting anywhere near that booba-tuba pus. <laughs> I'll um, work with the flobber worms. That's about it. <laughs> I would love that class. I mean, I, I took this animal science class in high school because it was an easy science elective, and mm-hmm. we basically had a, like a bunny farm where we had like 20 different bunnies at the school and we took turns taking care of it on the weekends and stuff. Uh, that was pretty fun, even though they were just bunnies. Um, yeah. But like, Magizoology is a cool, I mean, through like Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, that's kind of cool. I don't think I would do it as a career, mm-hmm. um, but I respect it a lot and I think it's pretty fun. It would be a fun class to take. Um, especially since we both worked at Bush Gardens. Yeah. But I, I definitely worked with more animals than you did. <laughs> what are you talking about? I was I was sweeping up popcorn right next to the, to the tigers and the orangutans and all that. I got a hug from an actual kangaroo. Oh. I used to feed giraffes and take pictures of people. So did you never you never got to touch the animals, did you? Not to your knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> anyways i i like it, it's 
it's kind of cool because it's not like a pet type thing because they have their domestic pets like cats and rats and owls and toads if you're weird like neville mm-hmm. um and then you have like your exotic creatures and learning about that i think that's pretty cool we talked about this recently what what pet would you take to hogwarts i probably would take a cat yeah. although a rat is pretty great i'm a sucker for a good mouse or rat ratatouille Redwall, Stuart Little. Um, there's definitely more rats. Tale of Despero. The one from Narnia. <laughs> like, me, I, like, I like some good yeah. rats, but I feel I'm like not a touch, cat... I'm not touching a toad. It's gross. Me neither. That's disgusting. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. A rat? No, nah, I don't want that either. It'd be between the owl and the... And the I was about to say the owl and the crookshanks, in the crookshanks, the owl and the cat. I don't want like, crookshanks. Crookshanks sucks. I would just be practical and get the owl. Have my own. I don't think I would because you they have owls at the school that you can use. It may be like having your own owl is the equivalent to like prime two day shipping. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like I would rather have a pet that I could just always have that doesn't live. In the owlery, you know, I feel like a cat would be fun, but also, isn't that really weird? Actually, why most boarding schools kids aren't allowed to have pets? Why is that a thing? You have to have a pet. Is it, it's not required? Well, you don't have but to, but you can. That's a weird rule. Now that you I think can about have it, have one. <laughs> I feel like the rule should be. You're allowed to have a, bring your own owl to the school if you want, because that's a practical use. But other, it's just pets. Name why? Name every student that has a pet. Neville Longbottom one. Hermione Granger two. Ron and Harry. Ron and Harry. Who else? Um, nobody else. You're so right. <laughs> why didn't anybody else take advantage of that? Unless no. everyone else just had owls down at the owlery, like maybe. There probably is reference to others, <laughs> but like <laughs> Colin Creevy had his camera. No, he had his camera. Well, like when it comes to the movies, they don't really show. The Weasleys had their owl that they shared. Man, Filch had Mrs. Mm-hmm. Norris, who's yeah. probably his wife. That's, that's my theory. I think I talked about that last. Yeah, you mentioned that before. I think Miss Norris is a maledictus, so she's just permanently a cat. But Filch is still in love with her. Yeah. <laughs> kind of sweet. <laughs> Just imagine Mrs. Norris being a care- caretaker. Also being like a tag team of evil people. The The only other thing from the book that I wish was in the movie, at least was done better in the movie, was I felt pretty gypped. Even after I saw the movie for the first time, I felt like the ending conversation with Dumbledore like mm. was missing so much. Yeah, like, yeah it was yeah, so yeah. short. And this is an example too of like I don't feel like it was shot very interestingly and I don't feel like the emotion was there compared to the scene in the book. Yes. And really like I don't think it does it really does not go into it as much detail as the book does about like what does this prophecy mean and like what the future holds yeah. for 
him and Voldemort other than, yeah, one of us is going to get the other in the end. Kind of that. They just kind of leave it at that. Yeah. There's no discussion of like the connection of like, could it be Neville that the prophecy is about, even though, you know, it's, it's about Harry Potter. His name's on the book, you know, Neville Longbottom in the order of the Phoenix. (laughs) Yeah. I, I definitely thought it was, it was great. And they could have done more, but like, once again, they could have done more with this entire movie. So mm-hmm. doesn't mean I hate it because I love it. It's just, uh, yeah. I think it also makes it like very, maybe convoluted or it's just rushed over. This whole idea during the movie is like, they think Voldemort is trying to get this secret weapon. Like that's what they've made Harry believe it to be like some weapon at the ministry. And yes. in the end, it's just it's just a prophecy. Yeah. It's just and Harry. Just Harry. <laughs> Even by the time I got to the end of the book, I was like, so what was the weapon? Like, I know it was the prophecy, but like, really all the, the weapon was is the knowledge of how to kill Harry. Yeah, I think that's feel kinda, like the weapon was more of like... That's kind of a... Possessing Harry. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of confusing, and it makes you wonder, like, why didn't... Maybe they should have just told Harry, and, like, there yeah, was a prophecy Voldemort's there. Voldemort's <laughs> motives in this, in this book is very, very confusing. Mm. And I'm willing to accept that. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, it happened. So I'm just going to be confused for the rest of my life on it. <laughs> We're not here for the plot, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. that. We're not even worried about Voldemort being the villain in this movie because Umbridge just got that taken yeah. care of. We won't worry about why Voldemort is randomly uh, at King's Cross Station <laughs> in, in a... Dream Dude, sequence. I thought that was so weird because that was in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "Oh, don't Voldemort is in a smuggle suit? That's a change." <laughs> but okay, <laughs> but I, I liked that. I guess they could have still fine. kept him in like his normal robes, and it wouldn't be as as weird of a jarring as jarring of a shot. Mm-hmm. It might have been actually more scary of seeing him in the robes, like disappearing in people like is he actually there you don't know but like if you see him in the suit you definitely know like oh he's just hallucinating that it's not like real yeah i don't know and then going back to the occlumency lessons one thing in the book that i did kind of enjoy um is there's definitely a lot of like tension and kind of fighting back and forth between snape and harry yeah but you kind of do see them like collaborate together for like the first time. Yeah. Like yeah. there is a sense where like Snape does admit I'm doing a few this times, for like, your own good. Well, he even admits like, Oh, you're actually like you defended yourself better than I thought you would yeah, like, yeah. actually admits that he's like doing good. Yeah. There. And there's even like scenes where it's like the first time you actually see them like actually kind of interact as they should teacher as and like student, student yeah. teacher and student. Yeah. And I do like that. It doesn't last long because then he, he looks he's in the still insulting and, him and stuff and everything. It, yeah. I mean, it's still there, but <laughs> there are moments where it's like, okay, this is, 
maybe this is what it's like to be a student of Snape the rest of the for all the rest of the students at Hogwarts yeah you know that aren't in Gryffindor and we we mentioned before like the movie does a really good job with the send-off of Fred and George and really this is kind of their there's a lot there's a lot of good scenes with them in this one because this is their last year at Hogwarts Honestly, and so they're not they really featured a little bit better in the movie I said it you think so I said it because in the book, they don't immediately leave. They're like in the common room, cheering it up and everything, like selling, like filling out orders and stuff. They don't immediately leave. Like that's not really like a. It's just like a normal school prank. They don't mm-hmm. leave right away after setting off the fireworks, and I think that's really cool. Like sticking it to the man, Neitis, <laughs> um, of them just immediately just like. Here's this chaos. Peace. <laughs> Props to them, though. Yeah. Although they could have just finished school and gotten there any or full seven years in, because yeah, it was like exam it. week, anyways. <laughs> I mean, that's true. They should have just finished, but yeah, it didn't matter. I don't they, blame they them. They already had premises. That's true. But I did. I just wanted to mention that because that's this is basically their their last year. They're not really featured as much in six and yeah, and in the final parts. So this is kind of their big send off for for those actors. I feel like yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you could say that Fred had his own send off in Deathly Hollows, but <laughs> you're right. You're right. This is them at their prime. Yeah, skiving snack boxes and all. I feel like they did a good job of that. I, I would like to see a little bit more, obviously. Yeah. But they did a really good job. I mean, there's this whole scene, like they transition scene, where they're just like showing the actual box. And I thought that was pretty cool, like the package design and stuff. Um, yeah, all the different products, the Weasley products. I think those were good. New kids. Those were cool. Yeah. I like that scene where they're like, they're just like trying to comfort that, like, this kid that like took it and is just like nauseous yeah. and they're just like like it'll pass eventually like they're just yeah uh so i i don't actually have any quotes written down for this movie do we i do say like hey big d hey big d yeah that's a big another 11 year old yeah this one deserved it <laughs> When uh, when they're when uh, Harry and Arthur are walking through the ministry, there's this guy like trying to sell <laughs> uh, copies of the newspaper, and he's like, "Dumbledore is he daft or is he dangerous?" Yeah, but you don't really quote that unless the movie's going on. No, though. I I don't quote that. I yeah. just like that line. Uh, one line that I caught on like literally two hours ago when I was skimming some scenes, <laughs> um, right before the uh, the trial, Arthur's like. Just be yourself and tell the truth. You know, as the muggles say, the truth will out. Right? (laughs) Like, he got it, like, I think, I didn't realize he was trying to say, the truth will set you free. (laughs) The truth will out. out. Uh, uh, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it it cracked me up a little bit. Um, there's definitely more quotes in this. I mean, I think it's we I feel like we have quoted in the past some of the possession scene 
And I really like it, but sometimes it is a little like cheesy. Yeah. But there's like, you've lost, old man. You've lost, old man. Yeah, I, we say that playing you know, pickleball. Um, yeah. You don't know love or friendship. Or friendship. And I feel sorry for <laughs> you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, th- this really isn't that quotable as Sorcerer's Stone or any of the other ones have been. Yeah. But still great. Still a huge staple. Of my childhood, and when I say staple, it I mean staple of my childhood. <laughs> so, no matter how angsty and how frustrating this book can be, I love it because there's so much like Hogwarts time in it. No matter how stressful it is, it's still like super immersive, like all the other books are, and mm-hmm. it's like ah, it's never going to end. And that's a bad thing, and it's a great thing at the same time. I love this book, and I I like this book more than you do, apparently. (laughs) It's a good book. I it's just the one that is like the most frustrating to read. Yeah, because of like, just because of the plot itself is, it's it's hard to to suffer through that. Yeah, (laughs) and I've read and listened to this book, the whole series, a bunch of times, but every time I read it there's something I pick up on or something I've already forgotten about. And I probably haven't read or listened to the late, like the last couple books in a long time. So I'm super excited. I feel like number six is the one that I've read the least amount Hmm. and I love it. So I'm super excited to um, dive into that one and like, like I forgot that they rode the night bus in this book back home from Grimmauld Place to Hogwarts or to Hogsmeade. I forgot oh, about they did? that. Yeah. After they go, after St. Mungo's, they go back to the they do Christmas and everything and they ride the night bus and they talk to Stan Shumpike and everything and they take oh, them to Hogsmeade yeah, yeah. and it's during the day and they talk about like, "Oh, this I've always wanted to ride this thing." And Harry was like, oh, it's a little different than because it's in the daytime. There's just seats. There's not beds. It's just mm-hmm. small details like that just like sparked some like, oh, am I actually reading this for the first time again? Because I <laughs> forgot. Yeah. And that's why these books are so great. Do not. Yeah, they're so. Do not come at me about Lord of the Rings has way better world building than any other series. Do not trash Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings fans, because our world building, ooh, so good. <laughs> it has processes of things and ways things work, not just a language that you invented. I'm sorry. You're not sorry. You're just wrong. Hey, when we cover Lord of the Rings, I'll f- formally apologize because I'm sure I'll love it. but. Maybe. I don't think. Harry Potter is much more readable than Lord of the Rings. It sure is. (laughs) But like the lore is so much cooler. And it's kind of hard to compare because it's involved with our current reality as we know it. Mm -hmm. As opposed to Lord of the Rings just being some random fantasy land. Don't even know if it's Earth. It says Middle Earth, but. 
do not discount Harry Potter's lore as not as in depth as Lord of the Rings because it it pretty much is. Well, with that, Jeremy, do you have any other final thoughts? <laughs> I'm sorry for the statement I said. <laughs> we do we do have some recurring segments we need to touch on before we wrap it up here. Uh yeah, so we've got our Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher rankings. Mm-hmm. All right. So in first place we have Professor Lupin. Second place we have Alistair Moody. Third place we've got Lockhart. Fourth we've got Quirrell. And in seventh place, we've got Umbridge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's no way she's not gonna be the bottom. Uh, a worse teacher than actual Death Eaters. <laughs> so, yeah. now next episode is going to be pretty interesting in this category, but we'll get to that later. Um, yeah. And then the other segment we've got is Dreamcasting. It's kind of weird Dreamcasting now, now that we actually have a new series coming out, but unless they cast Muppets, it's not going to be weird because... I feel like we're the only ones doing that right now. Well, you didn't hear that HBO bought the Muppets too. No, so it's gonna it's gonna be a uh, cinematic Harry Potter Muppets. I need you to TV know if show. that actually happened. They did not. By if the way. that I know, <laughs> if that actually happened, we would have to be the writers. There's no way we can't. We would have to like. I would sue if we weren't writers. <laughs> I will sue. Um. Anyways, so. I guess sort of a recap. For the Sorcerer's Stone, we have Sweetums playing Hagrid. Uh, we have um, Gonzo and Camilla playing Filch and Mrs. Norris. We've got Beaker playing Professor Quirrell. We've got uh, Kermit the Frog playing Dumbledore and Voldemort. <laughs> so in this movie, that would be really interesting when they fight each other. Um. <laughs> And then Harry getting possessed by Kermit the Frog, but evil. Yes. <laughs> You've lost, um, old man. Look at me. <laughs> uh, and then we've got Snape being Sam the Eagle. Uh, for number two, we've got Pepe Lepron as Lockhart. I think that might have changed. Did we change that one? To Link Hogthrob? Yes, he changed yeah, that we one. changed that one. Uh, for number th- for Prisoner of Azkaban, we've got Janice from the Electric Mayhem playing Professor Trelawney. Sirius Black is Zoot from Electric Mayhem. Lupin is Floyd from Electric Mayhem. And fourth, we've got Oscar the Crouch as Mad-Eye Moody. A little different choice, but it works. And then that brings us to number five. We've been saving this one for a long time. This is a huge character. We've got... um, Luna Lovegood's going to be a kid. It's not going to be a Muppet because we don't do kid Muppets, just the teachers and other adults. Um, so we've okay. got uh, a, another simple one. Um, we've got Bellatrix and we've got Umbridge. And Bellatrix, well, we'll start with Umbridge. Umbridge has to be Miss Piggy. <laughs> so, and then the opposite of that, um, Bellatrix will be the Moo Pets version of Miss Piggy. <laughs> um, because, like, Miss Piggy's got the... 
in her. Yes. She's got that dog in her. Um, enough to be like evil yet still positive. You know what I mean? Um, meanwhile, the Moo Pets, Miss Piggy's just chaotic and crazy. Um, but I did the best because there's not that many girl Muppets. <laughs> so, yeah, that's final. Final answer. It, it had to be Miss Piggy. Yeah. yeah. So that wraps that up. And uh, <laughs> it's interesting that Umbridge and Voldemort are a thing. Because Kermit and Miss Piggy. Hmm? I don't know. Anyways, that wraps that up. <laughs> Did you have any other notes or any final thoughts before? Yeah. We so does close? whenever uh, Sirius becomes the dog at the train station and stuff, does Sirius turn into an animal already naked or does he have to wear that robe? Where does the robe come from? Because he has to, he has to turn into, where does his clothes go? Because <laughs> it's just him. He has the ability to turn into a dog fully naked if he could, if he wanted to. But where's he carrying that robe? Does the robe I mean, turn into fur? I don't get it. That's where charms class comes into. into I guess play. that's why he I'm just, a potions he just conjures major. Conjures a new one, right? He just conjures more clothes. I don't know. It's pretty quick. <laughs> but where does he store the wand? Yeah, where's he putting his wand? <laughs> <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> I don't want anybody to answer that question. I don't need to know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to say Sirius in the Flames is worse than Sirius in the Ash, but we already went over that. Fudge is absolutely crazy. And I feel like he could have just used Veritaserum or, you know, like reading Harry's memories in a court case or something like that to make sure he was wasn't lying now you could say like he didn't have to do that or like he didn't want to do that so he wasn't going to do that he was in denial i feel like you'd have other outside pressure like all right come on let's just not call him a liar Mm -hmm. let's see if he's telling the truth um i guess i'll save my actual recasting for our last episode for the new series. Um, okay. Okay, I know. I'll go ahead and say it. I want Fred Armisen to play Mrs. Fig. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want. It's um, great. So, I feel like that's about it. That's all I've got for now. So, okay. Yeah, I think I've hit all, all of my notes. I just really needed to know if Sirius was naked in public for a little bit. For even like a split second, and he put on that robe. Was the robe already in there? What I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> well, Jeremy, do you have a letterbox score Ooh, for this? That's movie? rough. That's rough. It's a rough one. Uh, I've had to think about this one for a long time. You go first, because I need to pull up my letterbox to see what I put on there. Because I might need so, to change it. Do you not want to say it at the same time? Sure. Let me look it up first. Then. All right, uh, letterbox score in three, two, one, four point oh. Three and a half. Okay, that's fine. And I, that's really hard for me to do because yeah. I love these movies, but it's just not as good as Goblet of Fire, in my opinion. Okay. 
and I gave Goblet of Fire a 4.0. Okay. And I think I even said in the last episode, like, I don't know if I'm going to go any lower than four, but I just, you know, it's just, it's just a gripe of me. The runtime of this movie, it should be longer. It needs to be longer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I feel like it's kind of choppy, the editing. Some of it's just not shot very interestingly. And I think some of the subdued acting and kind of awkward scenes kind of, I see it a lot differently than I did when I was younger. I've never heard anybody say this is the best Harry Potter movie. I've heard people say it's the best book, but I've not Mm -hmm. heard the movie being the best. Um, Yeah, I can agree with that. I think there's a lot of fans of it, but yeah, for me, I think three and a half is where it sits for me. Maybe four. I was, I was leaving it open to being maybe convinced over the course of this conversation to bump it up to a four. Yeah. But I, I, I wasn't convinced. (laughs) um i i feel like i checked all all eight of them of my scores and i don't have anything below a 4.4.0 and Mm. i don't have any 5.0s so it's either a a 4 or 4.5 for me yeah and i just got to have it as a binary scale like that so for my my ranking so far as far as the score review scores were i gave the first two a five number three a four and a half number four a four and number five at three and a half. So, okay, we shall see how the rest of them play out. I ha- I I haven't settled on. We'll, we'll see which one. I haven't decided which which movie is my least favorite yet. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> Interesting. That's really I hard to, to do. <laughs> of my favorites, this is definitely based on my score. This is one of the lower lower ends for me. All right, but still good, and still. A staple of my childhood. Wouldn't you say so, Jeremy? I would say so. All right, well, uh, another day, another staple. Well, everyone, our only question left is, what is your favorite inside quote from Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix? Let us know on Instagram at InsideQuotesCast. And if you haven't followed us, go do that. And let us know if there are any movies you want us to cover on the show. Uh, Yeah, so Jonathan, next week it'll be your turn. So why don't you give us a little hint of what we've got in store? store. I I fully expect that nobody has ever seen the movie we're covering next week. Oh, Um, but it is a a staple of our childhood (laughs) and it's not about the numbers. It's not about the downloads for us. Okay, we just got to talk about it. And here's a clip. Good evening, Wendy. There will be four of us dining in the car this evening. So we're going to need four triple burgers with cheese and four biggie fries. So that's four classic triples. Uh, wait a minute. Four biggie fries? Uh, here comes Stan and Harry. Uh, they'll also be dining with us tonight. So we need six triple burgers with cheese and six biggie fries. Our show art was done by Bryce Bridgman, and you can find him on Instagram at GroovyBridge. And our music was done by Alex Bird. And we truly would love it if you left us a five-star review. Uh, if you do, we promise to read it on the show. Live. But more importantly, five stars, and we'll get you into the room of requirement. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about our childhood staples just as much as we have. And if you did, make sure you follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. 
so that you don't miss out on a future episode. Also, if you like the show, share it with a friend. Well, it's time to pack up the extendable ears. Until next week, we'll see you next time on Inside Quotes.